0: eats out every day, but people don't think about how food arrives on the plate. This is Grounded, and I'm Lauren Mitchell. Join me as we delve deep into the challenges, expertise, and experiences of professionals and innovators in the food service industry. Grounded is powered by the Buyer's Edge Produce Division. Our mission is to provide innovative solutions and excellent service to food service operators. We have a great topic for conversation today, exploring deeper into FISMA 204. The upcoming FISMA 204 mandates from the FDA have gained considerable attention in the food service industry. These mandates bring new challenges and requirements for grocers and food distributors to ensure food safety and traceability. This requirement entails meticulous documentation and reporting as records must be readily available within 24 hours as per FDA guidelines. So what does this rule include and who does it impact? We're gonna cover all of that on the show today. But everyone in the supply chain knows they need to work together to share information. It's how we work today. We have to share information about items, inventory, orders, shipments, and sales. But because each entity, so the grower, the shipper, the distributor, does it differently, it becomes an enormous challenge to meet these types of mandates. If you're wondering where to begin, this conversation will be helpful as we talk about the basics of the rule, the options and solutions to confidently navigate FSMA compliance. Remember, the primary benefit is a world where we can understand more about the source of where our food comes from. It's also one in which consumers know that the food industry is doing everything it can to keep them safe from contaminated food. In the show, we will talk about the big terms like critical tracking events and key data elements that are part of this rule, as well as the different places in the food uh, supply chain from shipping, receiving to the transportation and how those have a role in uh, supporting this as well. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, we'll include all the information at the end in the show notes. I have two wonderful guests with us today, and I'm very excited to introduce you to them both. So on the topic of FSMA 204 and food safety, always being top of mind for those in food service. I can't wait to bring these experts in. First, Betsy Handelman, the Director of Food Safety and Compliance for the Fresh Services Division of the Buyer's Edge platform. She's got over 18 years of experience in the food service industry and seven specifically in food safety. Chris Rowe is an incredible business leader within the food service industry, working closely with owners, operators, and food service directors of the business. I have him joining Betsy for this conversation specifically for his eye on the operator. He is well-informed on the technology piece and the executive vice president of the Fresh Services Division of the Buyer's Edge platform. Betsy, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. All right. So let's start here with what we know. The need for consumers to understand where their food comes from has become increasingly important. This doesn't only pertain to geography. They want to know who made it, when it was made, and most of all, they want to verify it. We will get into some of the other root causes of the rule, what it's intended to alleviate, as well as what you can expect and how you can prepare, all on our show today. So why don't we start here with you, Betsy. Can you tell us just what is FISMA Rule 204 for those who have heard it, but just want kind of a better understanding of what it is?
1: Sure. Section 204 of the FDA's Food Safety Modernization Act, as we all know as FISMA, outlines the requirements for additional traceability records for certain foods. Those certain foods are defined by the FDA as the foods on the food traceability list, also known as the FTL. So that food traceability list really outlines those specific foods that will need the additional traceability records.
0: Okay. So for those of us in brush produce, when I hear the word food, does this specifically just mean produce commodities? Are other foods like proteins already doing this? Kind of break that down in terms of the difference between food and then more specifically fresh produce.
1: Yes. So there's a lot of fresh produce produce items on the food traceability list, as well as some other commodities. um, Additionally, many items that we buy through our food supply chain right now already have a lot of the elements of these additional traceability records that go along with them in the supply chain. But oftentimes the items identified on the food traceability list are lacking some of those data elements or KDEs as the rule outlines. So that's part of the intention of this rule.
0: Okay. And for those who want to just access this list, I got to ask, and we'll include it in the show show notes, is there a place where someone can just view the list and what are the foods on it? say today for an example?
1: Yes, definitely. You can just look up food traceability list and you will find that list online pretty easily.
0: Okay. Can you ask Alexa, will she be able to tell me (laughs) too?
1: Yes, most likely.
0: I don't have one, but I feel like people are wondering that. Okay. So here's my next question. Why the rule? What is motivated or caused the government to push this kind of regulation? And and kind of what is the timing for when it's going to be enforced?
1: Yes. So the rule um, is in effect, but it will be enforced January 20th, 2026 will be the beginning of the enforcement of the rule. And the motivation of the rule is really to reduce the traceback time. So right now, um, a general timeline could be roughly five to six weeks to trace an item Uh, That's likely on the food traceability list. This regulation is really hoping to bring that timeline down all the way to five to six days. So that's a really big difference. And the key data elements, those KDEs that are part of this rule are really going to play into how we're going to get that information faster and trace it back to the potential point of contamination faster throughout the supply chain.
0: Okay, so the goal is to reduce the timing in order to locate the root cause of, let's say, a critical food safety event. So for those of us who've worked in food service and specifically are in produce, something can pop up with, say, onions or tomatoes. And while um, tomatoes are grown in a specific area, they can move based on where they're going in the supply chain, they can get repacked and rehandled and distributed. And all these different events can kind of cause that delay in terms of tracing it all the way back to the source. So I want to go through kind of what we call um, the critical tracking event and and tell me, how is that defined? and, And just following a case of cucumbers from the field where it's grown, you know, what are the different things that are going to be recorded for this rule and where in the context of the supply chain? So again, take me through from the field, from that case of cucumbers, and then call it when it's getting repacked and then all the way into the restaurant cooler.
1: Yeah, so the cucumbers is a great example, and the FDA actually provided an example of the supply chain uh, of cucumbers, so you can see that online. We can provide the reference to that as well. But oh, cool. The, the regulation does take you through all the critical tracking events. So for the regulation, you need to know the farm where the cucumbers came from, where they were harvested, where they were cooled, where they were initially packed. And each of those steps that I just mentioned is a critical tracking event. And there are key data elements, the KDEs that go with each of those moves. So as a cucumber moves from the actual field, it's harvested, it's cooled, it's packed, it goes to possibly one distribution center, possibly gets repacked there. That's when the the key data elements um, keep going all the way through. And then it gets to the back door of the restaurant. So those key data elements do change for the regulation, depending on which critical tracking event or which part of the supply chain we're talking about. So it's really important that each person within the supply chain knows what what part they play in the supply chain and then consequently what key data elements they're gonna need to keep track of.
0: Got it, okay. So traceability lot is assigned during the packing of the product. And then you've got critical tracking events that are in different places throughout the supply chain, specifically to record the different areas where the product is transferred and handled. Um, wow. So traceability plan is something that I understand to be kind of what operators might be starting to put together to support this. And I, I, I might have that incorrect. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But what are the things that our operators can be putting together for their traceability plan right now?
1: So As far as the traceability plan goes, The operators or any person throughout the supply chain should consider what part they play and what critical tracking events are going to come in or out of their facility. Therefore, what are they receiving and what are they shipping and what key data elements would be associated with those critical tracking events? So say if you're a restaurant operator, you would have a certain set of key data elements you would want to make sure that you're going to receive from whoever is shipping you that product. So the shipper or whoever is sending you that product is gonna be responsible to give you the key data elements that you need. So all that information should really be part of your traceability plan. And you should also make sure that you have a point of contact for your traceability plan so you know who specifically or what role the person will be in who's gonna provide the data to the FDA if they did request
0: it. So a lot of information has been covered on the food safety side. And I wanna bring this back from an operator's perspective let's just say, restaurant level. So I'm going to say I'm Jane with uh, 10 units. Four of them are in Texas. Six of them are in Oklahoma. And I've got a staff in each of these restaurants, right? So who of these members could the FDA request information from? How long would they have to be able to um, retrieve it and then share it? And what are some of the things that you could recommend that go along with with just that question?
2: Sure. The answer is be prepared for it to be Anyone in your company, um, similar to events today where the local government agency can reach out to your kitchen manager, GM, corporate office, really be prepared for the FDA to reach out to your corporate office or anyone that you're staffing in your different locations. It's really critical that your team is trained and prepared, which mm-hmm. Betsy mentioned, you know, having a great plan in place uh, to to answer questions of the FDA quickly mm-hmm. and. That means making sure your staff has the right suppliers, has the right vendors. It has all the right key data elements when that question comes through. And really the, the corporate office would likely be the one to consolidate the information and get it back to the FDA. Uh, that would be our recommendation is to consolidate the data and information quickly. And that 24 hour time period is the same, whether you have 10 locations to your point or you have 140 different markets. BFD requires you to get those key elements back in twenty-four hours.
0: Okay, so Chris, you brought up a couple good points there. They could contact anyone in your organization, so communication is essential, and that's actually something that um, I feel like can be learned in a variety, applied for a variety of reasons in terms of just everyone understanding what the rule is, who is impacted, what it's going to involve, and and just best preparing us for the timeline. So how with all that's needed to be tracked and stored as a result of this rule? how is technology gonna support us in doing this and and essentially benefit us, but then what are some of the challenges that might come with it too? And I imagine you both have have a response to this question. So I'll start with you, Betsy, and then go to you, Chris.
1: Technology is gonna play a huge role in companies' ability to provide that data within the 24 hours of the FDA is, is mandating as part of this regulation. So being able to provide that data in an electronic sortable spreadsheet within 24 hours is gonna mm-hmm. be very difficult if you don't have the right technology in place. Mm-hmm. Can explain a little bit more on that thought process?
2: <laughs> yeah, technology is critical, as Betsy mentioned, to get the information in a digestible, actionable way to the FDA within 24 hours. The reality is, again, if you have 10 locations or 100 locations, imagine reaching out to your 100 suppliers throughout the, the supply chain. You know, as a stakeholder in the supply chain, you're the the last frontier before it's on the plate to the customer. Hmm. So every single item that you're purchasing under this regulation, you're required to get those key data elements to the FDA in that 24 hour time period. If you look at your supply chain now, you may have 15 distributors, you have few markets, you may have hundred distributors across all your commodities. And choosing the right distributors and the right supply chain partners that have technology that can normalize the data is extremely important, that's yeah, critical. Imagine trying to reach out to all your vendors and getting all these different key data elements for the items requested across 30 markets within 24 hours, (laughs) very challenging. So that partner, the technology, and I would say the rule actually is driving the technology to some degree, Mm -hmm. we're all investing in technology, uh, regardless of where you're on the supply chain. However, this rule is now pushing it forward and Mm -hmm. going to force a lot of companies to innovate. And I'll kind of skip forward a little bit and just say that the, the most important piece this. Solution to me is choosing that right third-party partner that can Mm -hmm. consolidate that data, normalize Mm -hmm. it, and get it to across the vast multitude of suppliers you're working with.
0: So I would say at this point in the process, that program partner may be even educating some of the suppliers on how to navigate this process because they have to, everyone's kind of in the same zone right now in terms of learning how to get there. Um, would you agree with that and, and, and share any experience that you have in, in that process taking place?
2: Absolutely. If you look at, if you look at our role as an operator, from that perspective, our role is to, um, provide guidance and provide leadership in this process to bring our suppliers to speed, to get us that information. And there's a lot of things we're doing today as a company, as an example, where we're hosting seminars and training distributors and then going back to suppliers that we're buying from on the produce side and training them on the key developments that we need to provide to the distributors to then provide to the operators. I do believe it's a responsibility of all of us to mm-hmm. lead the initiative, coach through the initiative, and then take ownership of the initiative to get the information we need. It's certainly not a one-way street where you know we're asking for information and then demanding it where you have to be in the trenches. Again, if you have 10 locations or a thousand, you've got to have somebody advocating for you that is in the trenches with distributors, with suppliers that are mandating and coaching and working alongside them to get all that information electronic is the only way to really do it within 24 hours and then pass those key elements along the supply chain accordingly.
0: Yeah, so helpful to have those experts and coaches in the process and even just translating some of this language, right, that can just um, feel so cumbersome to navigate. So great feedback on that. Thank you. Okay, so technology is going to be critical. We know that, especially when you're tracking all these different uh, pieces of data. And then, as you said, it's changing hands. We want to make sure that it's all harmonized. But I imagine there's going to be a lot of challenges with that. So let me just start there. What do you think to be the greatest challenge in this process first, and then we'll move into ch- the challenge of just the technology piece in specific.
2: Sure. I'll jump in, Betsy, and then you can share your perspective as well. The The biggest challenge in the industry is there's, there's not one singular consolidated system that speaks to each other and would you know very easily and feasibly give us the information from the form to the processor to the distributor to the operator, across all items, across all the supply chain. So, you know, normalizing that data initially is very important. And then having those different proprietary systems and 3rd party technology partners speak to each other accordingly to get that data into your hands, to be able to action it to the FDA. That's the biggest challenge that I see in this whole process. It's very exciting that everyone in the food safety industry and supply chain industry is excited to have this information. It's necessary, it's gonna create a lot of really exciting initiatives down the road where customers will know exactly where the food comes from as well. This is mm-hmm. one step along that path. However, it's still a huge challenge today because the reality is the supply chain isn't prepared for this across all suppliers, all the shooters, and, and furthermore, the final frontier of the operator uh, to leverage that information. So that's the biggest challenge I see. Betsy, do you have the others?
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think getting that data in, in real time or as close to real time as, as possible and normalizing that data across the supply chain is going to be the real challenge. Um, and I think the more that your partners can help you or, or everybody's partners, you know, where, whatever part you play within the supply chain, really to, to reach out to your partners who you're working with today and figure out where they're at right now and what their plans are. I think is, is really the most important thing and is going to be a challenge at the moment, because as Chris said, everyone within the supply chain is really at a different part or, or place in time in their journey of compliance. And so I think it's really important at this stage to really take inventory of where you are in your role in your company and who your partners are and where they are in this journey. And then we can all work together to really to, to get to compliance as an industry.
0: So that's actually a great segue into my next question. For those of our listeners that are managing the category of produce in specific, they're putting together their 2024 initiatives for next year. FISMA 204 is top of mind, and they don't know quite where to start. Um, What options are out there to help them uh, meet the regulatory obligations and, and where should they start?
2: I'd say the first starting point is really qualifying your current suppliers. Asking tough questions around your partners today. And you're right, everyone that we talk to, every operator, distributor, grower, shipper, they are they're asking about FISM 204. It is top of mind. It is in almost every meeting each week. It's a very important topic. We don't have a lot of time. January twenty twenty-six sounds like it was probably time for now, but we know how fast that's going to come. And so I think the first piece of this is to talk to your current suppliers, really. Have a relationship with them, find out what their plan is, yeah, glean best practices from those conversations, Maybe You're partner with them for a reason, right? So I, I would definitely check with them first. And then I would also look into the supply chain uh, network and industry and find a third party technology partner can help you consolidate and normalize the data across the industry. Yeah, again, it doesn't matter if you have 10 locations or a thousand, trying to contact all your vendors quickly is very challenging. So that's a really important piece is that you check with your partners to make sure they're going to be in compliance. And then you pick a good partner at the end of the day that can, that can help you normalize that information and get it to you quickly.
0: Awesome. And I want to wrap up with bringing us back to the food safety topic. So Betsy, as I mentioned in the beginning, you're an expert in this space and have taken a lot of time. Um studying this, and also just networking with people in in the industry about this topic and I know relationships solve a variety of of problems in this uh industry in specific and ways, just sharing knowledge and information. What have you learned just from from your position in in training towards this rule, but also what is your your optimism for the future as a result of having this in place? I'm sure that there's challenges and concerns, but also you're optimistic for what it's gonna be able to provide just the food safety and QA space in specific.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I, I believe that this rule is gonna help the overall traceability within the industry, specifically within the produce industry and those specific items on the food traceability list. I think this rule is definitely going in the right direction to help us all throughout the supply chain really start recording more data and getting that data going along with the product through the supply chain is is gonna be really important and and really helpful as the greater food safety effort goes. I do think it's gonna be very exciting and it's really gonna provide visibility across your supply chain that you you don't necessarily have today. So that visibility piece is gonna be important for so many different reasons, um, obviously including food safety, but I think there's gonna be some underlying benefits there as well for the industry at large.
0: I'm comforted as well. I mean, the number one thing that our customers have been asking us for over the last couple of years is is label visibility. And this kind of goes a step further to even track um, with with more supportive data behind those labels and, and, and different repack stages and things like that. But again, going back to just wanting to know where your food comes from and knowing more about the source, I think it speaks a lot to our consumers, too, and just... Um, you know all the ways that they're changing and and wanting to just ensure the safety behind what they're putting in their bodies and and how they can be best informed um consumers in the marketplace too so any other final thoughts as we wrap up, Chris Betsy, I so appreciate you guys coming on, and just your knowledge for for this for this rule in specific just has shined in j- in, in within our company and then also during this conversation so I'm just so appreciative that that you're able to share your knowledge with us.
2: Yeah, a couple of last points, Lauren. I'm most excited as a consumer, uh, you mentioned it, to understand where your food comes from. And this is a stepping towards that. Uh, Imagine, you know, walking into a restaurant and knowing exactly where your lettuce, tomatoes, avocados came from on the menu. Understanding more about that farm story, having a better relationship. I think the companies really embrace this and do take it a step further to your point. And not only tracking the KDE's within 24 hours, but leveraging that information to market their story and how they bring value throughout the supply chain to feed that customer with healthy, good quality food, food safe food. That's an important piece. So the customers that embrace that and, and begin to partner with the right companies that can give them that information, I think they're going to be able to market themselves and provide a better experience for customers. As a, as a consumer, I'm really excited about that. That's fun. And I think the, the last piece I'll share is as you're choosing partners uh, to solve these issues and to create a data um, solution quickly for the FDA, really think about choosing a partner that is really integrated in the supply chain. So when you look at different partners and technology companies and third-party integrations, really think about you know, what the value is that company brings and would definitely choose a partner is very integrated into suppliers, pro-shippers, into distributors. So they're not only collecting information, but they're mm-hmm. involved in the purchasing. They're involved in the distribution. They're involved in the, the reporting. They're involved in the business intelligence. They really have their eyes and ears on everything from the farm to the plate you serve a customer. Because as this rule gets expanded and as the FDA continues to improve the traceability plans, those are the partners that can keep the pace and they can actually lead the technology in the industry.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we'll finish there. It was a great, great finishing thought. Thank you so much both for coming on. And listeners, if if you want to hear more, specifically ask questions to Chris or Betsy, you can reach out to them on LinkedIn with any questions and they will hit you a response back and we'll provide any information noted on the show in our show notes as well. Betsy, Chris, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. And that wraps up another episode. We have covered a lot of ground today. Thank you for joining. For show notes and our most updated market report, visit us at groundedthepod.com. Grounded is powered by the Buyer's Edge Produce Division. Our mission is to provide innovative solutions and excellent service to food service operators by leveraging technology, talent, and an insatiable appetite to improve.